Welcome to Head to Toe, a series of interviews with medical professionals, illuminating healthcare's history while shedding a light on its future. This is episode eight. I interview 86-year-old Pat Peterson, lifelong Oregonian and retired registered nurse. She talks to me about her schooling, working while having a family, leading support groups for caregivers of Alzheimer's patients, being a widow, and volunteering with hospice by providing respite care in the home. She's a wonderful, active, retired woman, and I loved hearing about her life story, and I hope you enjoy hearing it too. Okay, here we are. Welcome to Head to Toe. I'm Marie McMillan, and I'm here with Pat Peterson in Portland, Oregon. She is originally from Washington, D.C., but only for a little bit. Her family came out to Oregon when she was eight years old, and she calls herself an Oregonian, and she's a retired nurse. Thank you, Pat, for being here with me today. So my first question, uh, where did you go to school? Uh, what year did you finish training? And how long did you work in the nursing field altogether? I w- went to school in Corvallis, grade school, high school, and Oregon State for uh, five terms and then transferred to, at that time it was called the University of Oregon Medical School in Portland, Oregon, and that was um, a mounted to like f- four years and nine months, something, something, like, something like that. My, I finished, my, my class was, that I started with, the graduation was, well, actually, the graduation that I went through was in 53, June. 1953. Wow. It was wartime, and um, I got married in May of uh, 52, and I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite through with my nursing program, so after my husband uh, was shipped out to Korea, I went back and finished, and then graduated in uh, June of 53. Because my husband went to Korea, I chose to work evenings, because when you're alone, the evenings um, are long. Mm-hmm. And this way, by working 3 to 11, I was so tired when I finished <laughs> at 11.30 or whenever I got home, I fell into bed and went to sleep and didn't worry. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and it was easy to find things to do in the morning. So the 3 to 11 shift uh, for me was good. I did um, med surge. I briefly was an evening supervisor in at the Corvallis Hospital while my husband was overseas, and mostly med surge. I would I would say I was not fond of surgery. I'm I'm a people person, and I I really enjoyed the being able to take care and talk to the patients and I found that very satisfying. I also um, we moved to Eugene after my husband returned and I worked at Sacred Heart Hospital in pediatrics which was um, fun <laughs> because I had a, a degree they decided that I could teach the students <laughs> on the, uh, the Eugene um, students so I taught um, 
their floor experience at the hospital in the pediatrics. The nursing students. Yes, nursing students. Okay. Yes, for a brief a brief time while we were in Eugene, mm-hmm. and that was that was fun. A little bit of private duty, not much, but a little. Most of my nursing after we returned to to Portland with my husband's work, um, I did office nursing, but I took a, a lull there while the children were small because he didn't want me to to work while the children were little. So when the last one was in high school, and I did, I worked about 13, 14 years for a endocrinologist in the office, office nursing. And I loved it because hospital nursing, you probably will never see the patient again, but it was so satisfying to me, and I think to the patients of doctor, to say, well, hi, Pat. You know, they knew walking into a doctor's office is kind of frightening to a lot of people. And by coming in and recognizing the nurse, also telephone calls, they recognized who I was, and it seemed to, we had a nice rapport and with office nursing, you get this continue year after year of patients feeling comfortable with you. I worked two and a half days for a doctor, and then I had a couple of days to do the housework at home and grocery shopping and, and all those things, and then weekends with my husband and family. So I... The doctor wanted me to go to full-time, and I I told him it's either two and a half days or Or nothing. (laughs) I have to leave because my husband didn't want me to work full-time, and I didn't either because I I really loved our home and cooking and, yeah. So work I, is hard. <laughs> I I felt that I had the best of two worlds. <laughs> so great. I w- I would do it all again. I I don't think I would change a thing. I have no regrets. That's and, that's um, fabulous. So uh, then, in later years, my husband and I decided when the children were grown that we needed a little more land. And he said, well, how about we find a home and have an acre or so? Well, he came home one night and said, what would you think of 10? And I said, oh, my. But it was a filbert farm, hazelnuts, 700 trees already planted. And so we we had a home built. It was just um, land with the trees. So we had a home built, moved there, and lived there about 10 years till he um, suddenly passed away. And so I stayed another year to get everything in order and sold that and moved to, uh, to Portland, into Portland. This was out, the farm was out in the Shoals area, mm-hmm. s- sort of south and west. Mm-hmm. Then I was um, a widow for eight and a half years and remarried, and now I have been married 17 years to my second husband. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
so anyway, life life has been very full. I volunteered to lead a Alzheimer's caregiver support group through my church, and that was fascinating because we would have the group meetings at the church, and I would start the meeting with a topic usually, and the interaction between these caregivers was just heartwarming because they one of them would say I tried this on my loved one and across the table another person would say oh I'm going to try that on my loved one when I would come home my my husband would say Pat you are just on a high and I said well to see the interaction of people talking and sharing their problems was, it was absolutely, I mean, I, I felt so warm. I did that about five, six years, and I'm still in contact with one of them that is now 98. I think she's 98 now, wow. and I see her, she's homebound, but I go to see her still occasionally and talk to her on the phone and the other thing for 13 years I was a hospice volunteer and I would go on and out of St. Vincent Hospital we would have monthly meetings with speakers and and share um, we were all assigned different people of course and um, I went once a week for four hours and would do anything that was needed. I have some wonderful stories about that. <laughs> but to be able to see the reaction of the very worn-out, stressed caregiver, usually a family member, when they left and when they came back was amazing they would be downtrodden and sad when they left and when they came back they had smiles on their faces they'd been refreshed they had a break they knew somebody trustworthy was with their loved one and it just made it at all very worthwhile and three people in the course of um, my 13 years of doing it uh, passed away and in two of the cases, the family member happened to have returned a little early. In both cases, it was very peaceful, loving. We were around the bed, and it just, I, I will, I am so grateful. And they th would thank me so much for being there with them mm -hmm. when their loved one passed away, mm -hmm. which I thought was very special. So I, um, yeah. yeah, I I really would, I would change nothing and no regrets. Mm -hmm. And when you lose a loved one of... Uh, a long time marriage, you know, you think, well, this is, you know, I can't go on. And I said to myself, what, 
Yes, you can. You have two children, and they don't need to lose their mother as well as their father. And so, um, um, but I lost 11 pounds, and I said to myself, you've got to force yourself to eat, which is what I did. I made myself eat, even though I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. But anyway, sold this 10-acre farm and bought a house and um, got going and did all this volunteer work. And um, You persevered. Persevered and um, met my... Um, we, we were in a homeowner's... Um, an HOA. Yeah, an yeah. HOA. And um, one of the men, um, I knew his wife... Uh, and uh, she passed away, and ultimately we got married. And seventeen years 17 ago, seventeen years ago, we just had our anniversary. My so, goodness, congratulations! So I, I feel very blessed, and would do. I just wouldn't. You wouldn't change a thing. No. Well, Pat, that is. I I wish I I hope I am able to say the same thing. <laughs> When I get to where you are, um, I think uh, when you, you're talking, I'm thinking of a few things that one, you have provided lots of care. So you have a perspective of a caregiver, mm -hmm. of a care provider. Yes. I, but mm -hmm. I also think that you have this unique perspective of how to take care of the caregivers. And I think that's so important. And it's a topic not a lot of people talk about. I feel like the health of the caregivers, the family members who take care of the bed bound patients, and then people who work in hospitals all together, that, that people who give, provide health care all the time, that there's a certain wearing after a while. Uh, one in particular, when I arrived, this woman said, I am so tired. I almost called you and told you not to come today that I just didn't feel like it. She said, I called my friend. This is in your support group? It, no, this is my hospice. Oh, in your I, hospice. I, hospice. Okay. And for my four-hour shift. Mm -hmm. And she said, I called my friend and told her, I, I just am not up to going to lunch with you today. And the friend absolutely insisted that I go. So she said, so I didn't call you because she insisted that we were going to lunch. So when she left, she was a basket case. She was, you know, worn out, tired, sagging chin, and... What the point of this is, when she came back, she had a smile on her face. She'd had a marvelous time with her friend. And it's absolutely essential in my feeling that the caregivers of the family member have got to have this break. And that's why I did it, because... They simply, for their peace of mind, they've got to get out of that house. Mm -hmm. And so it it made it all worthwhile. Totally. It, I was just so, it made me feel that what I was doing was so much better you, than. You feel like you really made a difference in their yes, lives. I yeah. think so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. So when you think about your nursing practice when you started and when you retired how have you seen 
healthcare practice change over the years? Oh, I, I think it's changed muchly. <laughs> Shall I? Indeed. I Indeed. don't know if that's a word. It's not. It is now. But um, <laughs> at the time I was going through it, I never felt that we were being, shall I say, cheap labor, but I don't know how many thousands of bids I've made. But nowadays, I I don't think the student nurses get the hours and hours and hours of bid making and bathing and doing repetitive, um, I mean, how many how many beds do you have to make to learn how to make a hospital bed? Mm-hmm. How many times do you have to do it? And I think that we were, shall I use the word cheap labor, because um, we, we would work like 7 a.m. till noon and have lunch, and then we'd have class some days from 1 to 3, and then we would work 3.30 to 7 at night. As student nurses. As student nurses. And we did a lot of repetitious work. And at the, when when you're young and you're going through it, and this is the program, and you know you don't question it, but in reflection, I think nurses have been elevated to um, much more education um, status. Um, I kind of got in on the tail of if doctors walked up and the nurse was sitting down you had to stand that was that was sort of the end of my beginning okay. i mean that 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 wasn't quite the norm when you were starting no, no okay. but it was but it happened it, it was yes anyway um we did have a lot of um of education and so forth but i think now there's even much more sophistication from just from what I understand and mm-hmm. learning um, to do. See, we didn't draw blood. We didn't do cardiograms. Mm-hmm. We a lot of things that are just very common now mm-hmm. were not in. That yes. wasn't in vogue in the f- 1950s. <laughs> right. So I see a lot of elevation to the status of nurses. Uh, I think doctors appear to rely on what nurses say where in my era that um wasn't that a w- thing <laughs> n- that was not the the vogue so but things change and mm-hmm. i th- i think it's been a good improvement i never felt that my parents were really excited about my going into nursing i never heard the word Oh, that's wonderful! Or I, ne- I, but I knew from the time I was about fourteen that that's what I wanted to do because I worked in a hospital uh, a couple of summers while I was in high school, changing flowers and mopping the floors and delivering the mail and you know things like that, and I just. That's you, that's what you knew. That's because that's my next question: is how did you? I, I, what made you want to become a nurse in the yeah, first place? Just that that experience, and then I had an aunt who was an ophthalmologist, and um, a little bit of medicine. My mother was a hospital dietitian. 
I just always knew I wanted to be a nurse. So it was not a a big decision. It was already... (laughs) It was already made. He just said, this is is why I'm here. And I'm a people lover. Mm. I am not a sitter. Mm. I don't know what it would be like to sit for hours and read because I'm in a water aerobics class now three times a week for 45 minutes. And we work. I mean, it's Uh, not... Pat told me that she just finished water aerobics before we met. She looks fabulous, and it's 10.30 in the morning, and I have just jeans and a T-shirt on. So you've done more work today than I have. And then I do 20 minutes on an exercise bike. So I do that 20 minutes a day. um, I'm 86 now, so I don't... uh, I'm careful when I walk. My next question is... How did your career in nursing affect your life outside of it? Which you've kind of spoken to a little bit. Outside of? Outside of your career in nursing. How did, how did your nursing work affect your home life? It was wonderful having the nursing background when you are pregnant and have a baby and to bring home instead of what do i do with this baby you there's a there was a confidence that is indescribable okay let's let's get into some of the nitty-gritty stories that i i feel like you have a, a giant <laughs> trunk load of awesome stories so can you think of a story about a patient or a family or a doctor that has left a lasting impression on you well it it's mostly the funny things that um, that happened, probably in my hospice volunteer work. Um, I showed up for a new patient, and they had a a screen door on the front door, and this man opened the door and he looked at my feet and he said, "Oh." You have nylons on, and he said, "We have fleas." Whereupon he had a can of spray, and he sprayed my from the knees down. He sprayed sprayed my legs before I ever entered the house. That's so weird. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. And and in the same home, after the. Um, the man and his uh, left, and, and I thought I was alone. I was in the kitchen washing up the dishes that they'd left, and I hear thump, thump, thump coming up from the basement, and I thought, mm. and the door opens, and this woman says, I'm the mole, and I live in the basement. <laughs> Was she this a crazy was, person? She was their daughter, oh. apparently. But they didn't tell me there would be anybody else in the house. So anyway, that that was quite fun. <laughs> and you, when you volunteer to go into someone else's home, it's their space, mm-hmm. and you never know what whether there's a, a, unless they tell you that there's a pet or another person there. <laughs> So that was kind of funny. Another time I had a patient when I'd say, well, what what may I do for you? I usually would ask, how may I help you? Mm -hmm. Because the hospice people were not all bed patients by Mm, any means. Right. Some of them were, but some not. 
She said, well, you could clean the bathroom tile in the shower for me. Oh, boy. And I thought, oh, okay. You know, I asked, so I tried to do that. Another time, the same woman said, well, I have a skirt that has 40 pleats, and she would like that iron. Another day, she said the cobwebs, it was a vaulted ceiling, so she wanted me to do that. You need to be careful what you ask for, I found with her, but I was a slow learner, <laughs> so I had to climb up you know, on a ladder and do these. And I mean, it just went also the, the deviled eggs she needed done for her PEO oh my gosh. <laughs> meeting. You were more than just and her, I thought. Uh, you assistant. know, I'm I'm beginning to feel <laughs> abused to, to a myself. Bit. I felt oh, and then one day she said, "Well, there's some weeds. Um, if you would could weed out in the the garden by the house." And her husband said to her, "Pat doesn't have clothes on for doing that kind of work." So fortunately, he was. I could never could decide if it was the Alzheimer's or whether it was her personality. Um, but so I learned to be ready for most anything. And um, <laughs> but I've gotten a lot of laughs over the years from that. But there was, um, I think she was the, she was a, a, a classic. Okay. Most of the people were just. Very, very appreciative. Mm-hmm. They really were. Like, they just thanked me up and down for mm-hmm. giving them that break. And that's nice to hear. I, I bet I would. I would. I would do it all again. Okay. I, I wouldn't change it. Wow, <laughs> that's, Pat. That's some of the funny. <laughs> <laughs> I I hope when I get to where you are, I'm able to say that I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> What do you think, uh, thinking about, you know, the history that you've seen, what do you think are the types of stressors that nurses go through today? I I don't happen to know any stressors particularly, except I'm worrying about marriages. For instance, some of the nursing shifts, I understand, are like 12 hours. Mm -hmm. I work work three 12-hour shifts a week. Okay. And that's that's a lot. I wonder about where the... And nursing is a... You're not just sitting at a typewriter all day. You are physically, in most cases, very active. You're dealing with life and death. Mm-hmm. It's stressful. Long hours. And you work hard. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes think that uh, there's burnout. Mm-hmm. And if if you're married and your husband has an intense job also, and then if you have children, the uh, uh, child care and the schools and the... I think there's a lot of stress on f- families today, which I worry about. I, and at the time, I when my husband said, I really would rather you didn't work while the children are little, I thought, gee, I went through all that training, and but I acquiesced, and, and in retrospect, I had the time to be there when my children returned from school. 
with the working mother, two people working and having children and trying to keep all the balls in the air, I worry about the marriage mm. and the family. Mm-hmm. And I, I just can remember that with my not working, dinner was ready at a regular time. Mm-hmm. And... I'm not sure the families mm-hmm. today have a regular... It's not like it once was. It's not like it once was. And maybe it works for today, but I'm I'm just reflecting on... Right. That shows, right. that shows that the continuity or the regularity of what mm-hmm. I was used right. to. When you, when you said the word burnout, that is a, a very hot topic, I would say, especially today in, in healthcare. When you think of burnout and and nurses and the work that you did, do you think that that nurses perhaps today experience more or less burnout? You think than than when you were working? Do I think they express more? Do you think that burn- that nurses today experience more? more burnout than than they once did? Well, I I I think so. I, I, I really more exp- is expected of nurses more responsibility. I just think that it is the unusual family that can handle two high stress jobs, like the mother and the dad. Mm-hmm. And if you have children, then trying to keep it all going. Yeah. I, I'm just I'm just a little. Working today, the working dynamic today is certainly certainly th- has changed. Not that it's wrong. Right. I'm just saying it's. I think times change, and what I'm observing to what I remember both my growing up and my children. That, but a lot of families, you have they both have to work to make ends meet, and so there's no choice. Mm-hmm. But I'm, it's just an observation mm-hmm. that I think um, mm-hmm. a lot more is expected of nurses today, mm-hmm. I think. More responsibility, more knowledge. and Would you say that it's more work? Do you think that nurses work harder today than they had to? Or it doesn't, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I don't know, we true. worked uh, pretty pretty hard tired, as yeah. I remember I still make beds I still <laughs> I think there are things about nursing that will never change which I think is bathing and making beds and talking to your patients and assessing them and getting to know the families and their way of life and I think that part of nursing will never change I think technology the introduction oh, of technology the, the technology is- has created more responsibility for nurses I feel like is what I'm hearing from people who have retired yeah yeah, yeah. What kept you in nursing for so long, as opposed to changing to a different career? Oh, I never considered anything else. Yeah. You just always knew that was your thing. You never wanted to do that. It sounds like you did different things within the healthcare oh, profession, though. Oh, I did, yes. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm basically a people lover, mm-hmm. and I don't do well just uh, like, I'm, like I told you. I, when people tell me they read all afternoon, I think, oh... <laughs> just, I, I can't. Uh, I, I I would no. <laughs> Do you read I'd the like paper? Re- oh yes, I, I read, read the, the paper. paper. Okay. I volunteer here in our um, treasures, what we call our thrift mm. shop. And oh. when people pass away, the family says, "What am I going to do with all this stuff?" 
and mm-hmm. if they they take whatever they want and then they give it to mm-hmm. us and so that's a lot of fun we um go to the apartment and we take it to our storeroom and we go through and price what um uh can anyone go in this oh sure can we go before i leave sure i want to see this treasures. <laughs> but it's it's fun you it gets people out of their apartment sure. and we it's manned um two days a week from 10 to 1 oh my goodness two days a week oh my goodness and uh but it's um it's fun you you it's a wonderful way and for a new person if they like that kind of thing to work and you get to meet people oh my and, gosh that's yeah. that's fabulous and then also you're not wasting you're sort of taking something that oh, yeah. was somebody's and the best part is that no one that comes to Twilliger will ever be turned um, out if they run out of funds. That's what the money we make in Treasures oh, supports. Wow. wow. You know, with the stock market and people living longer, mm-hmm. they run out of money. Sure. And so instead of kicking and them so out of their this, homes. So it's a very good wow. cause that we're reselling things. And uh, This is a cool place. And anybody can can buy stuff wow. I mean, you don't well i be. i'm excited to check this out before i go um what do you imagine nursing will be like in the future well i haven't really thought about that <laughs> in the future uh patients are always there's always going to be a need it may change a little but i can't visualize that it's going to change much except the technology will change and they probably will do more surgeries as the skills for doing more intricate um, types of microsurgeries and all but patients are still going to have to be cared for people are still going to want to stay in their homes as long as possible I really feel that there's always going to be a need for caregivers on some level. What would you change about health care if you could, or the nursing profession? I'm, I am a big promoter of hospice. I think that to slip peacefully out of this world is the way I want to go. If I, if I cannot get better, I just want to be kept as comfortable as possible and let me go with some nice music mm-hmm. uh, playing in the background. A peaceful exit. I'm, I'm just not, I don't like to see people suffer, but I think that Oregon is one of a few states, as you know, that has the um, aid in dying. Mm-hmm. Death with Dignity Act, for those of you listening Pardon who don't. Me? It's, it's called the Death with Dignity Death, yes, Act, de- yes. yes. And I think in certain instances, like ALS, mm-hmm. in my hospice work, I had two patients with that. and it's not, a, it's not a dignifying way to go. No, not at all. Mm. And, um, but as far as me personally doing it i i had a dear friend that did but she was suffering terribly and so i yeah 
but I'm I'm just talking for me mm-hmm. the I just think the um easing out of the world I, I keeping agree. keeping me comfortable and just letting me go but I think each case has to be way differently. No, way I agree. I think I think you're right in that um no one wants to suffer. No one wants to suffer and I think I think that is something it sounds like you would change and you would really promote hospice and that you know death isn't the worst thing in the world. It's nope. just it's about it's about how you live and it, it sounds like you have lived so fully and that hospice is not it's well, not an end. It's it's just a it's a way well, to, it's a way to improve your living at the end of your life. Yeah. So I am 30 years old. I am looking at at least 32 more years before I can legally retire. That is if the retirement age isn't raised at all. (laughs) Um, What are your pearls of wisdom for those of us who have decades ahead of us to work? That have how much? That have literally decades left for me to work. What are your pearls of wisdom for me to stay resilient and and to keep working? I think you have to believe in what you're doing and it's and also feel that maybe what you're doing is making the world a better place to live. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you might change the, sh- the you think the 12-hour shifts are just maybe a little long. I, th- I think that to for someone to give their all and their best that 12 is a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. And it's a long day. I mean, it's it's really. In fact, when they went to even ten, I thought, well, that's. I I think a twelve-hour shift is, especially if you work seven a.m. to seven p.m. Mm-hmm. That's all the waking hours mm-hmm. and getting them uh, ready for bed mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I I. I think that's uh, I think that's a bit much mm-hmm. because I'm not sure you can be on top of and be really focused maybe depending what's expected of you what kind of but if you're in um ICU or something are there 12 out of a shift I, I, I work in ICU for 12 hours yes oh. Oh, Mary. <laughs> you should see Pat's face. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that because you've got to mm-hmm. be on every you got to be on top of your game for 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a long day. Yeah. Is there any other story that you want to share with me? Any, anything else you'd like to like to say? Well, my uh, with nursing, we really bonded. Um, there were 13 of us in the class. And we had a round-robin letter that has finally uh, died, uh, along with several of the nurses. But it went around for all these years into our 80s. Wow. And um, it was wonderful. People would enclose pictures in their new letter and take their old letter out, you know. And So uh, we were very a very close class, and... Those friends um, are very special because you've you've gone through a lot together. It's it's just nice to to have been there and had some of the experiences for 
raising my children, and uh, you learn to be grateful for what you have. But like I say, I'm I'm a people person, and and um, I tried one summer working in college library catalog department. That sounds boring. In the back room, putting in the days when they put numbers on the spine of the and Dewey the, and Decimal the woman, System. Yes, the <laughs> Dewey Decimal, and the the. One woman in charge said, there will be no talking. We were all around this table putting letters. It was the worst job I ever had in my life. <laughs> I vowed I'm never going to do We couldn't talk. <laughs> it, was, it was a bad summer. <laughs> so so my, my last question I like to ask people is, well, how have you been enjoying your retirement? It sounds like you got the water aerobics. You got your bike. You got the treasures shop. Yeah. You yeah. got your husband. Yes, yes. And I love to cook, and oh. he does too. Oh, wow. So we barbe- We have a deck with the barbecue. So we oh. barbecue, and uh, he likes to eat, and so do I. We eat three <laughs> meals a day. That's we don't, we don't snack. We, uh, we, we eat three meals a day. And um, I suppose that's the dietitian and my mother. Oh, I bet you grew up with that. I the did. Three oh, squares. Add three square meals a day, and um, so I think I've tried to live a healthy lifestyle. I've never smoked. Well, one cigarette. And you're in all eighty-six years. That's, that's right. <laughs> I keep pretty mm-hmm. active. And your children, are they around? So the, I have it? a son here and a daughter in Corvallis. Oh, okay. And so between far. us, we have five children. He has okay. three Portland. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for oh, sitting and taking the welcome. time. <laughs> yeah. It was lovely talking with you. Oh, well, I hope this has been helpful. It has. It has indeed. This was episode eight of Head to Toe. Thank you to Pat for taking the time to sit down with me and tell me about your life. Thank you, listeners. Please look me up on Facebook, check out my website, mariemcmillan.com, or email me at macmillanpages at gmail.com if you like the show, if you think you'd be interested in an interview, comments, feedback, whatever. Don't hesitate to call or email. Um, I haven't gotten any voicemails yet on the podcast feedback line, so I can promise that the very first one will make the show, barring, you know, severe profanity and completely off-topic diatribe. Call me, 503-512-0185. One more time, podcast feedback line is 503-512-0185. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, take care.